I'm glad we've got the kids in here today, uh, being the first Sunday. And uh, when I was a kid, it's a long time ago, uh, we used to sing a song that was designed to make us behave, at least during the month of December. I'm sure you can probably guess what it is if you're as old as I am. Uh, what is it? Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay. Uh, do any of you parents still sing that to your kids? Oh, come on. You don't even know it, right? Well, how many of you kids know the song? Oh, good. Some of you know it. All right. Well, we're not going to sing it this morning. But I do want us to think about the most important line in the song. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for what? Goodness sake. Now, kids, let's pretend for just a moment that you happen to overhear someone saying that they don't think you've been very good. And that you might get nothing but a stick or a lump of coal next Christmas. What are you going to do about it? Well, my guess is that you'll say you haven't been that bad and just ignore what they're saying. But if you then hear the same thing from your parents, you'll probably at least think about it. And if you hear it directly from the jolly old man in a red suit, you'll probably decide to do something about it. But what will you do? Will you just get mad at Santa and call him names or make fun of him or try to shoot him? I doubt that. But believe it or not, that's the way some church officials reacted when Jesus made it clear that they hadn't been good. No, actually, he didn't quite put it that way. In fact, he said that their behavior showed them to be children of the devil. They didn't like to hear that. They were the religious leaders of their day. They were teachers everyone looked up to, and they didn't like being confronted with their sin. And they really didn't like it when Jesus challenged their spiritual legitimacy and declared that their lies and plans to kill him proved that they were children of the devil. But rather than repent of their sinful schemes and change their thinking and behavior to bring it in line with the truth, they attacked him. They reacted to the truth with slander, ridicule, and even an attempt to silence Jesus by killing him. Well, let's watch them react to the truth and learn from their mistakes. We're in the eighth chapter of John's Gospel. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. 
Now, Jesus had just challenged them by asking, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? Rather than acknowledge that no one could convict Jesus of sin, that no one could point to any sin in his life and just admit that he was telling the truth, they resorted to name-calling. They began by calling him a Samaritan. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They were religious half-breeds. They had intermarried with pagans and lived to the north of Judea. To be called a Samaritan was like being called the scum of the earth. They were considered worse than Gentiles, even worse than unclean animals. Now, they knew Jesus wasn't a Samaritan. They knew he was from Galilee, the province to the north of Samaria. If they had bothered to check him out, they would have discovered that his parents were both Jewish of royal lineage. But he did associate with Samaritans. He even traveled through Samaria rather than cross the Jordan River and go around it like a good Jew would do. So they called him a Samaritan and had apparently done so on a regular basis. Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan? I'm sure they felt even more justified in calling him a Samaritan after what he had said about them. He said their behavior proved that they were not children of Abraham or even children of God, but that they were actually children of the devil. Well, identifying their father as the devil just made them matter. And they took their slander then to another level. They said, not only you're a Samaritan, you have a demon. You're the one who's possessed, not us. You know, the devil wasn't their father. He was living in Jesus, or so they charged. That's a serious accusation to make against the Son of God. But I love the way Jesus handled it. He simply denied their charge and said he wasn't seeking glory from them anyway. He responded, I do not have a demon. Now, I doubt that it was said defensively, I do not have a demon. I think it was said matter-of-factly, I, I don't have a demon. I'm not fighting against the things of God as someone possessed by a demonic spirit would do. I honor my father. I serve him. I obey him. But you dishonor me and accuse me of being demon-possessed. That's not true, and you know it. But I'm not trying to get your praise. I'm not seeking glory from you. There is one, however, who does seek it, and he's the judge. So you better think again about the way you're treating his son. In fact, your eternal life depends on what you do with me. And my word, because those who keep my word will never see death. Now, it's obvious that Jesus was talking about spiritual death here, and they knew it. But they didn't want to deal with the truth. When he confronted them with the truth, they slandered him. But their slander hadn't worked. Calling him names hadn't intimidated him into silence. So they went from slander 
to ridicule. Let's read on. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste of death? Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him. But I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? (laughs) The Jews responded, by reaffirming their slander, and then moved on to ridicule. Now we know, we really know, you have a demon. You are possessed. Abraham died, and the prophets died, and you claim anyone who keeps your word will never taste death. Who do you think you are? Surely you're not greater than Abraham, who died, and the prophets, who died. Your claim is ridiculous. Everyone Dies, you're out of your mind. What are you trying to pull? Now, again, these were the spiritual leaders. They knew Jesus was talking about spiritual death. He wasn't claiming to have found the fountain of youth that would allow people to live in this physical state forever. But they thought they could make him look ridiculous by misrepresenting his word. So they interpreted his words in a way that they knew was not true and then accused him of making ridiculous claims to gain glory for himself. Again, he answers simply and says, if I glorify myself, it's nothing. The only glory that counts is that which comes from God, and I have that. Indeed, God had glorified Jesus in ways that could be seen and heard through miracles and an audible voice from heaven. And he would soon glorify him by raising him from the dead. But those Jews who had hardened their hearts wouldn't acknowledge him no matter what. And by refusing to acknowledge him, they simply demonstrated they didn't know God. And they couldn't recognize him when they saw him in the flesh. Jesus, on the other hand, knew the Father personally. And if he said he didn't, he would be as much a liar as they were for saying they did know him. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He had come from the Father. God affirmed him and his message. And so did their father, Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now again, the Jews knew what Jesus was talking about here. The rabbis taught that Abraham had been given a vision of the Messianic age, and that when he rejoiced over the birth of Isaac, he was rejoicing because he knew the Messiah would come from his son. 
Jesus was simply identifying himself as the one Abraham had seen. The Jewish leaders didn't like that. But instead of debating his claim and trying to support their contention that he was not the Messiah, they simply ridiculed him for saying Abraham had seen him. Abraham had died 2,000 years ago. And Jesus was less than 50 years old. Abraham couldn't have seen Jesus. That was ridiculous. The things this demon-possessed Samaritan was saying. What he said next blew them beyond slander and ridicule to an attempt to kill him and thereby silence him. Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now Jesus had already referred to himself as I am. Now he goes even further and uses that same phrase to explain how he was able to see Abraham 2,000 years earlier. Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. I am, we've already discovered, is the name for the eternal God. It's the name God gave Moses to use when telling the Egyptians who had sent him. I am expresses the eternal nature of God. I am says I have always been and will always be. Jesus was saying that before Abraham was born, he was in existence because he is the eternal God. You know, the Jews had tried to get Jesus to say he was God, and here he makes it clear that he is indeed God in the flesh. He did so by using a theologically veiled term that couldn't condemn him in a court, a secular court, but they knew what he was saying. He was claiming to be the great I am. And they didn't like that, not one bit. They responded by trying to kill him. They picked up stones to stone him to death. Somehow he evaded them and left the temple. It wasn't time for him to die. Not yet. In six months, he would willingly go to the cross, but he wasn't going to be stoned to death. That wasn't the plan. They couldn't kill him, not, not yet, even though they wanted to silence him on the spot. No, their slander couldn't silence the truth. The ridicule couldn't do it. And their attempt to kill the one who embodied truth could not silence it. All they accomplished by reacting against the truth was to cut themselves off from the benefit of the truth. They were the losers here. Now, I've got to admit, it's easy at this point to expand the sermon, and I 
contemplated doing so. Because there's a lot of disagreement today about truth. What is truth and what isn't truth? We're constantly hearing things for and against abortion or gender identity or medical science or the environment. We attack one another, sometimes with slander, ridicule, or attempts to silence, to cancel someone. These, I think, are real issues that we have to deal with. But let's not get sidetracked from the prime issue here. The most important thing is the truth about our spiritual nature, who we are. What's happened to us? What has sin done to us? We think we're children of God, but does our behavior indicate that we are actually children of the devil? And if the Spirit is trying to convict us of that, what do we do? Do we just ignore it? Do we go so far as to slander the truth that's revealed in God's word? Do we ridicule it and say, oh, it just doesn't apply today? Do we just kind of hush it up and close our Bible? There's a lot of things done today to avoid the truth. The most important thing we must not avoid is the truth about who we are in the eyes of God and what has been done to make it possible for us to enter back into his presence to be adopted back into his family and to be given the promise of eternal life in his presence. Jesus was offering to the religious leaders of his day eternal life if they would just listen to him, believe him, and keep his word. If they would accept the truth for what it is and give up their lies and their pretense and their hypocrisy. But they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. I pray we can learn from their mistake. When confronted by our sin and the lies we have bought into from our culture, I pray we will not react against the truth by trying to slander it or ridicule it or seeking to silence the one delivering it. I pray we will openly acknowledge it as truth and make the necessary changes in our life to embrace it. The truth is that Jesus came to earth to die for us, to save us from our sin. He came to earth to free us from bondage to our spiritual father, the devil, so we could be adopted back into the family of God. Jesus came to earth to go to the cross so we could go home. Unlike those who slander the truth and ridicule it and seek to silence it, May we openly embrace it. May we acknowledge our sin. 
and recognize that the way of the cross leads home.